I'm Kim Grinnells with dogman.com. I am at Reeser. Is it Reeser Field or Reeser Stadium down in Corvallis, Oregon, where Washington with 21 third quarter points defeated Oregon State 42-7 in front of an announced crowd of 37,821. Washington off to a slow start, only scoring seven points in the first half going in with a 7-0 lead. Were you a little bit worried, Chris? No, not, not worried whatsoever. Um, Oregon State only got into Washington's half of the field twice all game. Uh, the second time was when they scored in garbage time against the second and third teamers. They had 104 yards given up the, the Washington defense through three quarters. Um, the, the defense just put a hammer lock on this game and it was simply a matter of time uh, for Jake Browning to kind of get on the same page with the receivers, kind of cut it loose. He looked a bit tentative, um, seemed like he was kind of second guessing some of his reads with his eyes. And, and once he just kind of, you know, cut it loose and, and kind of let it rip, that's uh that's when they started moving the ball a little bit. And again, well, you know, they got, they got some penalties. They were able to throw the ball deep and, and they had mismatches against some of the corners that created right. some penalties. And, and obviously that helped, uh you know, help their cause as well. Well, when you say Jake, let it rip. I mean, it was just, it was like he felt pretty confident he could throw it downfield and something good was going to happen, either a completion or a personal foul. I'm trying to remember, was it Oregon State the time that I remember where their sole defensive strategy was just to grab guys and hold them and just, you know, if they got beat, just because that what was going on. Oregon State had eight penalties and probably seven of them were, per, uh, you know, the pass interference and holding calls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously there was a hold call on uh, Dante Pettis' touchdown. Um, you know, I think that it was the 34 yard touchdown where he still got behind the guy, even though he tried to grab him. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's a certain part of that where, you know, you, you, you run the ball, you run the ball, you're setting this stuff up. Then you got to cut it loose and you got to let it fly and you got to go, you got to go deep and let your guys run under the ball and catch it. And, you know, they showed that really, really early on with that big play to Quentin pounds. And then they kind of went away from it a little bit and, and didn't, uh, they went a little bit more, uh, I guess, conservative and, and whatnot. But then in that second half, they had that first drive where they really just, they went up top, went up top and got a couple pass interference holding calls. And, and that really uh, kind of sparked them a little bit. Miles Gaskin, 15 carries for 143 yards, excuse me, 113 yards. Uh, good to have LeVon Coleman back with nine carries for 70 yards. It just, uh, the running game was back. And, um, you know, it's just, it almost seems like, tell me if you think I'm wrong, Chris, but just, you know, in these first games, it just seems when Washington flexes their muscle or they want to flex their muscle, they turn into bullies and they can pretty much do what they want. They can. And, and again, you know, Washington gave Jake Browning a lot of time to throw the ball early. Um, there looked like there were some things that were available and, and for some reason it just didn't work out. But again, they, you know, they ended up averaging over almost five and a half yards a carry um, through the final, you know, through the entire 60 minutes. Obviously it was a little slow to begin with, but again, you know, you mentioned it 15 carries for 113 yards per mile. That's seven and a half yards a carry. LeVon Coleman averaged 7.8 yards a carry. I think you'll go with that if you're Chris Peterson in terms of, hey, you know, they, they, did, a, they did a pretty nice job. And I was going to say, too, uh, Kim, it looked like Jonathan Smith was really hell-bent on having some offensive balance because at one point they had run 60 plays and it had exactly 30 rushes and 30 passes. 
I want to ask you about a play that happened on the other side of the field. I asked Jake Browning post game if he had a play that stood out or a favorite play, and he kind of smiled and said, "When Hunter Bryant put two guys into the front row of the of the bleachers, uh, did you see that? I, it was on the other side for me, so I didn't see it." Well, Hunter had a couple catches, so I don't remember which exactly one. I mean, he had three catches for fifty-seven yards with a long of thirty-two. There was one really nice play along the sideline where he definitely. Uh, you know, put a couple guys on the ground for sure and um, really showed off his athleticism and, and kind of showed off some of the things that we'd been talking about all along. Again, three catches, not going to really give you a fantastic indicator of his night. But again, when he's averaging, you know, basically 19 yards a catch, yeah, that, that sounds like a guy who's who potentially could do some damage down the road for sure. It was interesting. Uh, you know, I think the storyline of the game is going game is going to be the kicking game. Tristan Vizcaino really struggling. Looks like uh, he lost his job to Van Soderberg tonight. But uh, when Pete, Pete seemed a little irritated, you know, with, he said, you know, on fourth down about going for it. Well, yeah, we couldn't make a field goal. And you've been around Pete enough to know the tone of his voice, what it sounds like when he's peeved. And he was obviously peeved. But the interesting thing on that was I asked Jake, about that play and he said it was a check down the overloaded uh it sounds like they overloaded the left side so it's just an automatic call you know and check down to uh levon for 10 yards so that was not a called play from the sidelines it was a check down from jake i asked pete i said did you know that jake checked it down and he got a little animated he goes of course i did yeah he goes that's the call and he talked about how much jake had on his plate and if that truly was a check down that's a brilliant call by jake well, sure, it ends up being a great-looking call, for sure, uh, the way it happens. But I think, more importantly, the, the decision to go for it on 4th and 10 in an obvious kicking situation certainly, uh, you know, makes you wonder, what you know, what you know what's going to happen with Tristan Vizcaino down the road. And at the same time, you know, if you know Chris Peterson, you know, those that's three misses in a row, you know, if you go back the last two games. Now, granted, one of them hit the post. And then the other two, he even admitted post game that one of the kicks he thought was good. So, you know, such fine margins. But then if you're not producing, he's not going to wait for you to produce. You know, it's a, it's a key moment. They need, they need points at that point. Cause if I remember correctly, it still was only seven, nothing, you know, they need points. And, and, and if he's not the guy that can get the job done, then he's going to move and get the next guy up. And um, unfortunately we didn't see Van Soderberg. Uh, try to kick a field goal, but he looked pretty good on the on the 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 point point after touchdowns. Yeah, and just uh, an, an FYI, before the Colorado game, it rained hard for about four hours before the Colorado game, and then uh, really lightened up. And about an hour and a half before the game down here, the rain really started coming down, and then it held off the entire game. It's pouring in Corvallis right now. It's absolutely pouring outside so uh fun walk back to the car but uh just you know i'm just impressed with this team they, they seem to do what it takes to win uh i think there's some reason for some minor concerns especially you know with the kicking game and you know maybe getting off to a little slow start but if you listen to coach pete he also talks about you don't win games in the first half we want to be a second half team we win the second half and they truly did that tonight yeah the the golfer in me comes out when i think about these things kim in, in terms of when you look at a tournament a tournament is four rounds, just like a football game is four quarters. And yeah. you can't you can't win the game in the first quarter, but you could certainly lose it. And 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 the thing is is that Washington 
they may not be jumping up and and you know a lot of fans are going to say hey it's the sick number six team in the country they need to be dominant in all phases from the very beginning they need to be showing up and they need to be kicking people in the teeth and they need to be doing this and that and the other thing bottom line is the third and fourth quarters of the games especially when they play the really good teams are the ones that are going to matter that's exactly what happened at colorado that second half is when they really impose themselves and they did it again tonight and so a lot of people will say well they're just a second half team well I don't know about that. I just know that they're geared to play all four quarters. They're well, not geared to like jump out at halftime and then all of a sudden coast the rest of the way. That's that's not how they're coached. Well, let's say let, let me tell you what that second half team means, winning that second half because I've seen it over and over and over this year. They've worn teams out, you know, and I'm not going to go back. Yeah, you know, and don't take this wrong, but you know the national championship team with that defense that they had halfway through the third quarter, teams were done. I mean, they just wore them out. And midway through the third quarter, teams were just exhausted. I mean, just exhausted. I saw it again tonight with this, this Oregon State team. They held up for a little bit. But midway through the third quarter, they were done. I mean, they were physically outmatched. You could just tell by their body language. You could tell with what was going on down on the field. They were done. And that's what this team is doing. They're wearing people out. Well, right. And there's no doubt. I mean, Ryan Nall gets danged up uh, when Keyshawn Bieria clips him. You know, and then Artavis uh, Pierce gets, you know, gets hit by Austin Joyner and does a full front flip, and he he comes out of the game. He never comes back in. Um, there's no doubt that, that guys were getting banged up, guys were getting a little bruised and battered, and and yeah, Washington's going to do that to you. That that defense is playing at a really high level right now. Again, like I said, 104 yards combined through three quarters, and granted, Oregon State's offense is horrible. But the thing was, is that their running backs could do some damage. They've shown that they can run the ball a little bit. Right. Washington absolutely shut them down in the run game, and Daryl Garrison had nothing to offer in the pass game. That's why when you asked me if there was any concern or anything, no, not none whatsoever, because Oregon State was, how are they going to, the only way they were going to score, Kim, is if Washington handed them the ball and then just gifted them a score. That was the only way right. it was going to happen. Ryan Nall, who's a really good back, was, you know, nine carries for 18 yards. You take that any day. And Artavius Pierce, three carries for 22 yards. You're going to win football game if you can hold those two to that. And like you said, Daryl Garrettson, absolutely nothing to offer in the passing game. Nothing. Zero. Zip. I, I mean, he took, what, one shot down the field tonight? Right. One? And his average per pass was about three and a half yards. He had twenty. He tried twenty-two passes, and they only had seventy-four total yards in the air. That's not yeah. good. When you're only averaging three, like three and a half yards, uh, an attempt. Yeah, that's really, really not good. Yeah, and um, just real quick, going down the stat sheet, a couple things that stand out: Washington 30, 32 first down, eight for Oregon State. By the uh, way, I was going to tell you, Kim, that thirty-two first downs. That's the, that's like, I think that's tied for like fourth all time. There were four first downs away from a school record. Uh, total offensive yards, 509 Oregon state with 184 and 75 of that was just when the third, I counted there were eight freshmen out on the field during that, uh, during that drive that Oregon state scored eight freshmen out there. Uh, one of the positive statistics, only three penalties for 21 yards uh, for Washington, third down conversions, nine of 14, great percentage, Oregon state, two of 13 um you know so um you can come out with a road win like this and you know one more key statistic 
I didn't see anybody limp off the field today. No right. Injuries. When you when you can stay healthy and you can, you know, and I'm not saying they stayed super vanilla on those things. I saw a couple wrinkles in, in some things, and I know Washington fans are going to say it was super vanilla when they weren't necessarily moving the ball or they were having difficulty kind of keeping Browning contained. You know, bottom line is they gave Jake Browning a lot of time to throw the ball early. And for some reason, and I don't know, you know, I think once – uh, you know, hopefully we can ask Chris Peterson Monday about it, just what he saw and, and what maybe provided some of the hesitation um, in, in, with Jake Browning in his eyes in terms of maybe seeing something and having something flash through. And, and maybe Oregon State was trying to, to maybe, you know, deceive him in some in some way or or scheme him in some way that they hadn't done that they hadn't really looked at. Uh, maybe that was part of the wrinkle involved in trying yeah. to defend Washington. So I, who knows? But, you know, once they got it on track, there was there was no issues. I want to try to keep it a little bit short. Um, we're down here courtesy of Fife RV. Uh, Softy, Millen, and Baird are wrapping up the Husky Honk show, so they're going to be pound, hounding on me, you know, to get out of here pretty quick. But I don't want to end this without talking a little bit about the basketball team. They got a key commitment today uh, from a guy from Bishop Gorman and um, Jamal Bay. Um, you know, and you know, I've talked to a couple of scouts. They think he may be one of the more underrated guys in the country. He's six seven, uh, about 190 pounds, uh, can pass, can shoot plays for a winning team they call him you know a lot of guys are you know saying he just knows how to win he's a really nice piece you know to this team for coach Hopkins and that's a big pickup for him out of uh, Bishop Gorman and uh, if you don't know the assistant coach Dave Rice his brother is the head coach at Bishop Gorman that can start a nice little pipeline from one of the premier uh, basketball programs in the country and if they can get that basketball thing rolling from Bishop Gorman wouldn't be bad to get a couple football players out of there either would it Chris no that's a that's a great pipeline for sports in general and again, for 2018, that means now Jamal Bay's commitment means that there's three uh, commits for 2018 with Ed Chang from Nebraska and Elijah Hardy from uh, Bishop O'Dowd in the Bay Area. So, you know, Coach Hop is off to a great start. And again, Bay had offers from places like San Diego State, USC, uh, Arizona State, Utah, TCU. So he had some decent offers. And again, I have a feeling this is kind of one of those guys that as this as the months would, would keep going along. This kid's stock is probably going to rise a little bit. The missing piece, you know, that we keep on hearing that Washington is really after Brian Penn Johnson. That's the rim protector they need. They don't have one on the roster. Uh, that's the guy they're going all out on is Brian Penn Johnson. So that's definitely a guy to keep an eye on uh, in terms of recruiting. Um, I just, again, want to give a big shout out to uh, Fife RV. You should see this motorhome they sent us down in, Chris. This thing's like a house on wheels. And uh, we had pie on the way down. I've got a triple coconut cream pie in the refrigerator from Dahlia Bakery that uh, we're going to dive into when we hit the road, as well as beer and margaritas. It's about a five-hour drive, so we got a long day in front of us. So uh, big thanks uh, again to Fife RV. A reminder, if you're looking for uh, daily updates in your inbox, just email us at huskystadium at gmail.com. We'll get you on the mailing list, and you'll get those daily updates, sometimes even more than once a day. Again, that's huskystadium at gmail.com. Chris, anything uh, that you want to add? No, other than uh, good, we, we had a good radio show uh, today. Scott and I took the bullet for you so you could be a rock star and go on the RV, yeah. so you're welcome. <laughs> 
Well, we get in the RV. Millen, of course, is late. Baird goes to the back to go to sleep. Millen goes to sleep. And then he wants to get into political debates with Safi. And I just kind of stood there and shook my head a lot. So anyways, we're getting well taken care of. It's been a long day. But uh, got a little bit of a hike back to the motorhome, and it's still raining. So uh, good win. Uh, you know, it just feels good to have a winning football team. And uh, just what I've heard, um, just for those who listen to it tonight, if Cal um, wins, we will probably have a five o'clock start uh, on Saturday. If Oregon wins, we will probably have that eight o'clock start. So, and just uh, letting people know, I'm, it's seventeen seven at the half, Oregon. So it's not when we're recording it's still, this. Yeah. Right. It's still as we're recording this. It's still debatable what's going to happen. But right now, I would if you're trying to plan ahead and you want to try to hedge your bets, I'm thinking the eight o'clock game is probably going to be your bet. Yeah. So, hey, for all of us at dogman.com, I know Scott Eklund's back home working hard, as is Luke Mungers and Chris Fetters. I'm Kim Reynolds. Go dogs.